You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Good evening. Thanks for listening to the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. My name's Charlotte Greenway. This is episode 87 and it's Friday the 21st of July. This week we'll be looking ahead to the action tomorrow in Ireland and also England before heading stateside to New Jersey in the US where Nick is ahead of the Haskell Stakes. The Irish Oaks is the European highlight this weekend and Aidan O'Brien's contingent make up four of the declared nine at the Curra tomorrow. Ryan Moore is aboard the favourite and Epsom Oaks second save the last dance. Shamie Heffernan takes the reins on Ascot's score at Warm Heart while Billy Lee and Gavin Ryan will be on Be Happy and Library respectively. As we know, the jockey bookings don't always produce the expected results for Ballydoyle runners. So Nick caught up with Aidan on Wednesday morning to see how he views them and which filly he believes is his best chance. I suppose we have three kind of what we think very strong fillies in there. We like obviously the uh, filly from Chester. Uh, we think is is is, um, is very well and, and save the last time. Yeah, this has always been her her, her um, program, and um, and then the filly won an Ascot. Warm heart. Um, it, yeah, and like we weren't sure stepping up to a mile and a half would suit her, but it, it obviously improved her. And uh, then another filly called Be Happy, which we have always thought a lot of, and she got withdrawn the last minute in the Oaks, and then we nearly had her ready to run again, and she got an infection in her foot. And but in the last three weeks, everything's been very good with her, so. Um, the plan is, is that that's where she's going to run at the moment as well. There's another O'Brien runner in the field as Joseph runs Lumiere Rock, who was second to Warmheart at Royal Ascot, beaten two and a half lengths, and will be looking to become her sire at Saxon Warriors' first European Group 1 winner. She'll be partnered again by jockey Dylan Brown McMonagall, and here's Dylan on how he rates her chance. She's obviously very solid. Her farm has been really good. Um, she had a really nice run the last day in Ascot. The pace of the race wouldn't have suited. Um, we went slow, and Warmheart obviously got first run in the straight. Um, but Luminaire Rock was obviously running her down late on, finished off really good. Um, she's improving with every run, and, and she's got a live chance, I think. She tries very hard, um, and she's in good form. So we'll be very, very hopeful of a big run. I mean, given that you. very competitive field and she's got nearly £10 to to beat the rest of the fillies you know the two top ones obviously um, but I think she's betting her on the last day and and you you obviously know that she stays really well I mean does that does that mean you can get out there and be pretty bold on her yeah well I've never actually rode her before um, it's obviously my first time on her but I do know the filly well from home but obviously I'll go through um, tactics with Joseph before the race and see what he wants to do but I imagine we're going to be going forward um, and using our stamina to effect And are you worried about the rain? I don't think it'll be a worry Really? So you'd think she'd be as effective with, with loads of loads of cut as she would be with on top of the ground? I, I don't know that I don't know that to be honest 
But the one thing I know is the slower the ground, the more of a stamina test it's going to be. Um, the more rain there is, the more it's probably going to help save the last dance, as everyone knows. What she did when she got heavy ground in uh, Chester. But we're just going to have to see. Blue Stocking also ran in the Ribblesdale at Ascot, filling third spot, and is set to be the sole British representative in tomorrow's Irish Oaks. Trained by Rafe Beckett, Nick caught up with him during the week to see what he made of her Ascot run and whether he thinks she's capable of turning that form around. Well, we're pretty close to the winner when she was only just ready. I, didn't, I, think, I think, you know, we were sort of stuck down on the fence at Ascot and in behind and didn't really get... Uh, get a chance to get her into full sw- into full swing. I we didn't feel until it was all over. Um, I think Frankie definitely felt that. So um, yeah, she's she's she's. I think you know she looks great. I'm very happy with her. Um, and so we go and Colin Keane will ride. Uh, and this is a, a tried and tested formula: Judmont, Rafe Beckett, Colin Keane, Irish Classic. It sounds easy, doesn't it? Yeah, if only it was. <laughs> Um, do, do you think she is a filly who, um, as the season progresses, is going to make up into a filly who, who wants even further than a mile and a half and maybe be a ledger filly? Or do you see this as her optimum? Difficult, that one. Um, we're, we're, we're putting her in the ledger. I think this weekend will tell us a lot, in all likelihood. I think we'll find out a good deal this weekend. She's dissimilar to Simple Verse in, our, in that she's always shown a bit more, for example. So I'm hoping that, um, I'm, like I said, I'm hoping we find out this weekend. The main action from the UK this weekend comes from Newbury on Saturday, where the feature race is the Weatherby Super Sprint for two-year-olds over five furlongs. It's a race Richard Hannan Jr. has done incredibly well in, so it's no surprise to see him with seven in there, but it's William Haggis who has the favourite in the form of Queen Mary's second relief rally, while Eve Johnson Horton runs two that also ran very well at the Royal Meeting. There's one Irish challenger, son of Corballis, and his trainer Kieran Cotter spoke with Tom Stanley on Thursday morning about what he's expecting from his colt. But first, they discussed how long this race has been on the agenda. Um, well, I suppose I can't exactly remember when the actual entry was. I think it's about maybe five months ago, and uh, he always struck us for he came from a fast family and. Uh, we said if, if he was up to the mark, he was definitely heading here. So it's been on the agenda for a long time, you know. And he turned out to be a pretty decent horse. So all systems go. So if you reflect on um, that national run at, at Sandown, um, and, and then obviously with the cheap pieces on at Tipperary, he he put in a, a much better effort. But, but did you leave Sandown a bit disappointed at all? Ah yes, we were. We were very. We were. To be told, we were, we thought we were going there with a live chance, but he got drawn wide, which was on the wrong side of the track in Sandown, and the horse inside him hit him. at don't when he came out of the gate, uh, put him out across the track. Next thing, he was last in a five furlong race, hmm. and uh, he still finished sixth. And he was beside a handful of winners, but even even at that, we were disappointed. But when he came home, he was quite sick for for a while, you know. So hmm. obviously something was incubating in him, and uh, we just couldn't line through it, you know. Mm. And then he, he was that the reason you skipped Ascot and went to the listed race? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just, he just, he just. The, the plan was, uh, if he hit the frame in in Sandown, he was going to the Goffs London Sale uh-huh. with an entry in in Royal Ascot, and we we'd probably let him off or see what happens, you know. But uh, we had to drop a new plan, so we went to Tipperary and never worked out well. Yeah, and you, you know? keep keep going with the cheap pieces. Yeah, we do. It's just he's a lazy, lazy horse at home, but he switches on the track, and I suppose those are the kind of horses you really want, you know. Yeah. We all have too many of them that are flying at home and don't don't put the best foot forward when the, when it matters, you know. Going to say he doesn't look lazy on the track, but but there you go. That's the that's the right yeah, way around. Yeah, 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 yeah. So please God, he turns turns up now and all goes well. Okay, Saturday, good. We're looking forward to heading over. There's also a Group 3 and a listed contest on Saturday's Newbury card, and Shadwell have a runner in both. So when Nick put a call into racing manager Angus Gold earlier in the week to get the latest on some of the Shadwell stars, he also asked about the mercurial Alassi in the Steventon Stakes and Eras in Hackwood. Uh, yes, I think Alassi, I uh, haven't spoken to William since he made the entry, but but I believe... That's the plan for him. Um, obviously, needs to lift on what he did the other day. First run back after a layoff, so hopefully he'll he'll come on for that. Um, and you know they haven't lost faith in him at home, so let's hope he can show what he's capable of. And Eras, he's had a stop-start campaign again this year. He's only had the one run, I think. Um, uh, early in the spring uh, when he actually ran all right at, at Doncaster um, had a bit of a hold up since some sort of unspecified lameness but he seems back and Richard's happy with him working how he's working so I think he's keen to get him back on the track then across the Atlantic on Saturday, this year's Kentucky Derby winner Mage will be returning to the track at Monmouth Park in the Grade 1 Haskell Stakes, 62 days after his third in the Preakness. It sounds as though they could be using this as a bit of a stepping stone for him en route to the Travers. And so Nick called his co-owner Ramiro Restrepo to find out how ready he is and why they've chosen this race as his comeback. Ultimately, it just fell up the race, uh, gave us the best amount of time in between starts for the Travers. It falls uh, five weeks from the Travers, so we'll be able to get up there, you know, a day or two after this race and have, you know, five weeks and a couple of works to prepare for the Travers. Um, you know, that's been our, our crown jewel ever since uh, we crossed the wire in the Preakness. We've always had the Travers in mind, and look, it's not a knock on 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 Monmouth Park at all. We respect the Haskell, the tradition. It's obviously a Group One, and and it's worth a million dollars. We we totally understand it. Um, you know, the Colt had 17 days off, no no saddle, no track, obviously, um, since the Preakness, and we brought him back. He only had three official works, and um, it just was the smartest play to come back in this race have them ready, you know, tightened up for the Travers and, you know, give us five weeks. The, the spacing was perfect. Is there any possibility that even though this is a stepping stone, he's feeling well enough and fresh enough and good enough and you're not going to, let's face it, run an unfit horse in a in a grade one that he could he could win anyway? A hundred percent. I mean, that that's horse racing. You know, uh, I've seen Sir Michael Stott on TV make comments like after winning a big race that, you know, how you know how surprised they were with the run you know that's something that we as as individuals 
uh, can only do our best to guess where the horses are. We know the horse is sound, he's happy, and he's had three really, really good works, and he's shown us all the signals that he's ready to roll. Um, you could argue that his Florida Derby race, where he ran second, he wasn't as ready as he was for the Kentucky Derby. And you saw he moved forward from the Florida Derby to the Kentucky Derby. And at the same time, the Florida Derby was an amazing second. So um, for ourselves, we don't ever put the pressure that one race makes or breaks a horse's career. Uh, we're hoping for a healthy and long three-year-old campaign and, and hopefully an amazing four-year-old campaign as well. You know, a horse's career is a, is a, is made up of a long body of work and and for ourselves, it's, it's just, you know, getting the ball rolling to, to start the second half of this year. Uh, is this, um, dare I say it, a, a, a throwback? Are, are you going back to the old school of of realising that horses are there to, to run, but that you can't have a horse absolutely tuned to run with his or her eyeballs out every single time they go to the track? A hundred percent. And I even our training methods are very you know throwback as well you know we, we we have a lot of long gallops and our workouts are six seven eight furlong works and um you know that that, that commentary was was apparent at, you know before the kentucky derby and after people pointed it out um it's the super great ones that's why when you see what frankel did what zinata did what pharaoh did you sit back and say holy cow you know with, with with those things, I mean, those that's why they're at the pantheon of the greats. When when you can keep them at cigar comes to mind, you know that you can keep them at that highest of levels, one hundred percent cranked for the entire year. I mean, you know the, that's what makes those those horses the most special horses that we've ever seen. And and um, you know this colt has will have had his fourth consecutive grade one come this Saturday and with the Travers his fifth consecutive grade one and no other three-year-old Colt can say that uh, with the consistency that we've been able to show you know being classic placed we won the derby and you know placed in the other one um, it's just about doing well by the horse and bringing the horse along and, and 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 putting forth a good effort you know those who live and die by a win and a loss like you know, that just adds way too much pressure to the equation. We're trying to be as organic as possible and bring the horse along. And, and, and our goal has always been the Travers. And uh, hopefully this race hopefully results in a win. But hey. if not, we want a good performance and, and, uh, and a big win in the Travers. Mage isn't favourite, though, as the hot favourite is the unbeaten, twice-raced Arabian Knight, even though he's been off the track since January. You'd imagine Connections have always had high hopes for this cult by Uncle Mo, having gone to $2.3 million at the Akala Spring Sale last April to secure him. He's trained by Bob Baffert, ridden by John Velasquez, and owned by Amir Zidane's Zidane Racing Stables. Amir Zidane is, of course, no stranger to owning top-class horses or winning at the highest level. So when Nick spoke to him this morning, he asked how he was feeling ahead of tomorrow. Well, I'm feeling very, um, uh, what's the word, uh, cautiously optimistic, so to say. Uh, um, he's, uh, we were very big on the horse. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's won impressively in his uh, two starts. So we think, and, and obviously Bob uh, believes this is the perfect spot for him to come back. Um, the six months layoff concerns me a little bit, but he's been training quite well. And I hope he, uh, he shows up to our expectations. 
So when he, he won at Oaklawn, obviously everybody was raving about him. What happened between then and now? He wasn't, uh, I mean, his performance in Oakland in the slop was, was pretty impressive. We were very happy that he was a horse that was mature. He was able to travel, show up, and, and, and beat, uh, beat, beat the elements, beat the conditions, be it uh, rain or, or, or dry track or what have you. Um, a few months into it, we felt that he wasn't really developing and he needed some time off. And because he had so much prospect as a, as a proper racehorse, uh, we made the tough decision to slow down on him, let him develop into his frame, uh, become the horse we hope he would be towards the latter part of the year and uh, grow into himself. And we feel he's there right now as much as of a tough decision it was, but it was the right decision to do by the horse. And uh, I hope he uh, he um, he pays us back in, in terms of performance. It, this is going to tell you quite a lot, isn't it? Because if you can, if you can defeat this group and, and defeat them well, you can really start dreaming. Yeah, you know, when we start dreaming for the moment, we bought the horse, but uh, for for sure, I mean, this is an this is an amazing uh, group of horses. There, I'm, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with the quality uh, with everybody you've just uh, mentioned in your in your uh, in your prelude to this uh, to this interview. So, it's an impressive group. Uh, if God willing, we were to show up and Arabian Night uh, comes up prevailing, it'll be uh, a testament to his his raw talent, but also to his ability to. Uh, to compete and beat a good group of horses for sure. Uh, Amir, I was just interested to hear you saying that you'd, you'd kind of laid off him and then allowed him time to develop physically. Last year, with with Tabor, you went straight into the derby. You chucked him in deep, it didn't come off, but then he came back and, and was one of the best three-year-olds by the end of the year. Was it a question of once bitten, twice shy? Was that going through your mind when you when you went for a slightly more circumspect route with this horse? I mean, no, there were different circumstances, although there are parallels there. But with, with Taba, if you recall, he won the San Diego Derby mm-hmm. and he got the points. So it, it made every sense to go into the Kentucky Derby. Um, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but uh, uh, had had we known what we know today, we think we... We know it's, it was a tall order for him. He was very immature. He, traffic didn't suit Taba at the time. And now it was a situation where the horse wasn't really, with Arabian Night, he wasn't really ready. I mean, physically, he needed a little bit more development. And he's that kind of, in our view, selfishly speaking, he is that kind of a horse. It is too early, too ambitious to compare him to the flight lines of the world, if you will. But if you look at the way flight lines progression was and, and, and the gap between races, fast horses, good horses require a little bit of gap between between races. And we feel that uh, he is a horse that needs that. I'm, again, I'm not it's premature to uh, to compare him to to the flight lines of the world. But we felt that he is a kind of horse that would demand and require that spacing. So there are two different circumstances between Taba and Arabian Night. That's a wrap for this week. Thank you once again for listening. Nick will be away next week, so I'll be with you on Monday morning with all the latest news, and I'll also be continuing our build-up to the King George at Ascot next Saturday. Enjoy the weekend. Goodbye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.